Hey guys, Monster Hunter, and welcome to Let's Be Blunt. I'm so excited to have the guest on today. My guest is a cabinet, is an avid cannabis and psilocybin advocate, community activist, influencer. She serves on the board or the advisory board of the CWCBE and contributes to numerous local and national organizations. She's held roles such as the New York Ambassador for Women Grow, VP at Canna Gather, and has also been a High Times judge. She's inspired many in their pursuit of fitness as a 20-year Pilates, Pilates instructor and a Lululemon ambassador. Kim B., welcome to Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to see you. I am so psyched to have this conversation with you. Tell me a little bit about your background. Where did you grow up and what was your first experience with cannabis? Oh, my goodness. Such good question. So I am a New Yorker through and through. I was born in Long Island, and I've been on Staten Island for about the past 20 years. And uh, I you know, started out way back in the day as a Pilates instructor in the fitness world and worked all over New York City for Equinox, as well as being a Lululemon ambassador. Wow. And I also uh, had a couple of Pilates studios down in Boca Raton, Florida. I took a little stint after September 11th and moved south and opened a couple of studios down there. But uh, after my dad got sick in 2009, I moved back to New York. Okay. Then what got you interested in cannabis? Uh, well, um, like most 15-year-olds in New York, we were exposed to cannabis, and I was absolutely fascinated with it. My parents were low-key consumers but didn't hide it, and so I was uh, very comfortable trying the plant. And the, from the first time I tried, I knew I was like, there's something really interesting about the plant and myself, and I basically at 15 dropped out of school and started selling nickel and dime bags and working as a fitness instructor at the same time oh that happened when i turned uh in my late teens uh mm -hmm. 1920 i started teaching pilates as a career and so wait, what did your parents think about you dropping out of school because you just had a little cannabis and you dropped that that's one of those negative stories that people you know sure. kind of cannabis makes people drop out of school no but i yeah. mean you say about it well, um, I was an entrepreneur since I was born, and so school didn't really have anything interesting about it because I wasn't making money. Um, my mom passed away when I was 15, so I left school to uh, you know, work and make money for my household and help my dad and help myself and my brothers and sisters. Wow, excellent, excellent. And... Did you think that you would eventually, well, back then, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to give out your age or anything, but then cannabis was not as legal as it is around the country now. Did you think that you were going to be pursuing that career in the black market for a long time? Or what did you think? No, I had no idea as a, you know, 16 year old selling a couple of nickel and dime bags of what we called weed, um, you know, maybe not even quite so, um, no clue. And you know, as I got a little older, uh, I moved down to Florida in after 2000, uh, after September 11th, and I couldn't find good weed in Florida. So I was like, I'm going to grow my own in my little closet. And so that's where it really started to get interesting is 
I went ahead and bought all the lights and set up my walk-in closet in Boca Raton with, uh, you know, some plants and grew my own weed. And what was that experience like for you? Pretty amazing. Um, you know, there's something very holistic and healing about being around the whole plant. Um, it's such a beautiful thing to watch the seed bloom into your medicine. And it's just, it really has a lot of, you know, homeopathic type effects. And once I started growing, I knew that there was something like really special about the plant and that I would be connected to it forever. Still, Montel, I had no idea that I would ever be able to do this for a career and, and you know, be able to be proud of it. It's something that was very hidden and you know, my, my dad was cool with it. My family was cool with it because they were, you know, knew who I was and uh, some of them consumers, including my dad. Um, but never in a trillion million years did my wildest dreams ever think that I would be, you know, having cannabis brands and selling it on the adult use market. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit about how that transitioned, but before you do, I mean, okay. So the first, the first plant that you grew, was it, was it, was it all you thought it was going to be? So my first plant was a little scrawny, sir. It was a little scrawny. And I was like, oh, God, this is not going to be an easy task. But I would sneak into Barnes & Noble and Borders with a baseball cap on and glasses. <laughs> and I would buy the Ed Rosenthal books. I have them all. They're all here behind me in my living room. Um, and I taught myself how to grow. <laughs> the books and you know I, I had some good weed and some not so good weed over the years but were you, were you selling it in dimes and five and nickels back then too no so this is you know after sep september 11th is when i really started so uh things had progressed a little bit more i wasn't really selling as much weed as i was kind of just smoking it myself um this is I remember buying my first dry herb vaporizer. It looked like a, a radio box and it had a tube coming out of it. And I would use my, you know, dry vape or, you know, herbalizer and be just astonished that this was, you know, giving me these effects without having the full combustion. And, you know, it, you really learn a lot about cannabis and its effects when you grow it because you're starting out from the seed and you really see the progression and, you're nurturing this plant. This plant is alive because you are here nurturing it. So um, you you learn so much. And of course, Ed Rosenthal, who's like, you know, one of my idols, um, he, he was amazing. And really through his words, I was able to grow some great weed. Um, but through mistakes that I made myself, um, also had some disasters. Wow. Okay. So then what made you start to then now you're, you're doing this for how long are you? Sorry, how long were you in Florida? Excuse me. So I lived in Florida from 2002 until 2000, and I moved at the end of 2008. Um, and I owned Palladio Studios down there, and I would grow my own weed and get invited to these amazing country club parties, and I would bring joints, and you know the the cool kids would go out back, and you know we'd be smoking, and these people were you know extremely like 
you know, wealthy people and they'd be like, I want your weed. I'll pay you. I'll pay you anything to have this weed. And I was like, okay, I'm growing good weed. This is amazing, you know? So, and getting invited to these great parties, you know, hobnobbing with, you know, celebrities and stuff and being known for the great weed. Um, Montel, it wasn't that great, but at the time, you know, beggars couldn't be choosers. So any weed was good and it was yeah, so it was indoor grown, you know, I was really conscious about everything and you know, I, I, I sold a little here and there, but it really wasn't my like my business. Not until I moved back to New York, uh, New York City in like 2014 did I really like get involved with cannabis on all levels, legacy, not legacy, and 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 really started getting into, you know, what's happening here today. No, it still wasn't legal in, in New York, so in 2014. Were you on Long Island or were you in Manhattan? I lived in New York City. I was um, in in 2014. I started working at Equinox as a Pilates uh, teacher, trainer, instructor, and manager. And, you know, I was the girl who could get the weed. And And so then was that when you started thinking, maybe I can make this a business? So I discovered this amazing thing called CBD. And that was it. I knew I had found a place for for myself to integrate wellness and health, which was, you know, something that was very important to me in my livelihood as well as my trade, um, and integrate that with the plant. And so once I discovered CBD, it was game on. I couldn't stop talking about it. All my Pilates clients at Equinox were getting the whole like, okay, you got to try CBD. It's this and that. And it was still... A little bit gray, even CBD, the, you know, the 2018 farm bill hadn't been released. So people were still a little weary, but in my heart, I knew that this plant could heal the world and I, I wasn't going to stop no matter what. Absolutely. So does that, when you started, you transitioned into the business of cannabis? Yeah, I went to, I was referred to a women grow meeting and I attended a women grow meeting and I was standing in line and Montel, I was so nervous. I was like biting my nails, like, oh my God, I, I'm going to a weed event, like in Times Square at Dwayne Morris. This is where they used to hold the Women Grow events. And I was, I was obviously had some anxiety and the woman behind me, um, who is the two women, two of the women from Etain, the women owned medical dispensary here in New York. Uh, Martha McDermott said to me, you're in the right place. You smoke weed, right? And I'm like, yeah. She's like, you're supposed to be here. This is your line. You're okay. And mm-hmm. I I marched up to the meeting. I opened the door and I, the tears welled in my face. I still feel it today. All the women there were like me and mm-hmm. I had found my home. And you knew you weren't alone. Wow. Okay. And so you attended that. And then how did you get your business going? Tell me. I met my business partner, Deja, at a Women Grow meeting. She walked in and I was one of the volunteers. I had, you know, gotten friendly with everyone. And I just was so taken aback that this was actually something that was available to me, that I just had to be part of it. I offered to pour her a glass of wine at the Women Grow event, and she said yes, and Tribe Tokes was born. <laughs> oh, there you go. Okay. And then what was born? Tell me. Well, uh, we have a company together called Tribe Tokes. So, Tribe Tokes? Uh, yeah, and we make uh, clean vaping 
uh, CBD and Delta 8 vaping products and vaping accessories. We make uh, healthy gummies um, and a, a slew of other amazing products, including a pain cream, which we have a friend in common, Duff, um, who is our biggest and best client of um, our pain cream. She literally swears by it, talks about it in all of her interviews, and it's such a blessing, you know, to to have her on board with our brand, Tribe Tokes. She's such a wonderful lady. You know, now, I, I'm just interested in why you decided to go down the Delta 8 line. Well, it's really about access. So we were really doing well as a CBD line. Um, and then Vapegate came in 2018 and the bottom of vaping fell out and we had to restructure. So we started making gummies, pain cream, and really pushed our beauty line. Um, but we, so many people were hitting us up about access and not having access to THC. People just either scared to go into dispensaries or were in places where there were no dispensaries. So we decided to, um, you know, create a full spectrum Delta 8 line with, you know, cannabis derived terpenes and, um, and really just create the closest thing that we could to THC for those, you know, people who don't have access. And, you know, we, I don't think it's the end all. I would much rather just THC Delta nine, Delta nine. But if for those folks that don't have the access, this is all they have. And, you know, I feel really confident that, you know, eventually we'll be able to switch all our customers over into adult use market or medical market with Delta so I, I had this I've had this strange feeling about Delta 8 and 10 or Delta and uh, O THCO that it gives an excuse to the DEA to now step on more heads but you know I'm I'm, I'm I have no no aspersions to cast I'm glad you chose that route and uh, are your clients happy with it we're so lucky and so blessed. Um, you know, we've bootstrapped our company to over um, $2 million a year. We've taken zero funding. It's just been my business partner, Deja Lee, and myself um, just pushing quality and educating customers and, and creating a community of love. Well, all my customers, I handle a lot of the inbound customer service personally and spend hours on the phone every single day talking to customers and educating people. And, you know, they're the states that just don't have as much access. This is the things that are helping people get through, you know, and I'm not a doctor and this is not medical. This is not medicine. But this is helping people sleep. This is helping people cope with anxiety. And this is assisting people with pain management and using something other than opioids, which I feel very strongly about, Montel. My dad died in 2013 because he was not well and they just kept dumping opioids into his system until he became a vegetable. Mm -hmm. And I had to watch that. And so, you know, Finding ways for people to have plant-based medicine and alternatives to opioids is what drives me every single day. Get on the phone and spend hours talking to customers that that have questions. 
Have you know? Have you been reacting to? I think yesterday, and you know, leading up to tomorrow, there are five more states that now have uh, a um, what are they calling adult use legalization uh, bills or or voting? Uh, sorry, different t- things that are on the ballot, whether they be you know uh, uh, constitutional change or decriminalization. But five states have now added to this ballot, and you know, in the last couple of days, I'm so sorry, that's my puppy back there making that noise if you hear him. Um, but, uh, you know, in the last couple of days, there's been a lot of, I call bullshit debates uh, going on on all the news stations. I was I was completely taken aback by a conversation that was being held on CNN yesterday. Um, and I cannot remember all of the participants, so I won't give any of their individual names. But it really just, just disturbed me to no end that the media is still no matter what, makes fun of this industry. They can't have a conversation about cannabis in a serious way. If you watch them right now, <laughs> so I'll bet you had some yesterday. It, it's, it is so ignorant. I, I was, I almost threw up yesterday afternoon and I'm listening to one, one, one of these, you know, far right wing Republican pundits just talk stupid shit. I, 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 I wish I could come up with a better description, but that's it. I mean, from A to Z, everything out of his mouth was ignorant shit about cannabis. And the anchor who was hosting the conversation was just acting like she was a child, you know, riding, you know, roller skates out in the front yard, <laughs> laughing about it as in that we had two pundits that were supposedly in favor, but both, neither one of them did us justice because they acted as ignorant as the people that they were with. So it's, it just disturbs me. And I want to know what you think about it. I mean, you know, as much as, as passionate as you are about trying to let customers and potential clients and potential patients understand what it is you're trying to provide them with, it has got to be now, you know, tomorrow that may take us to, I think it's, we will hit 26 states that have, if it, if all five of them pass, it would be 26 states that would have legal adult use cannabis we would end up with, I think, out of that, changing the number from 37 to 38, I might be wrong, plus the District of Columbia uh, actually having some sort of a medical protocol. So we will clearly break the halfway mark in the United States of America. And I'm asking you a long-ass question, I understand. So let's just slow down. Let me let you ask one part of it. What do you think about the way people are responding and how ignorant that is? And I'm going to ask you something to follow up that. Good. Yeah, no, um, I, I totally understand. And I, I look at it through a lens of love, right? Because anytime something different comes up in the world, you know, it's so easy to judge it. And, and people just like to judge it and stigmatize it. And it's not just cannabis. It's, it's all sorts of things. It's so- anything. It's anything. Transformative ideas in our society are met with the most vehement and adamant resistance. We can go all the way back. You still got some fuckers on the planet right now. Excuse my mouth. On the planet right now who still think the world is flat. It's so true. And, and the only thing that we can do is continue to push the movement. And educate because I'll tell you what, Montel, when some, one of those Republicans' mom or sister gets sick, they're the first one going and asking for RSO, looking for medical cannabis, and like, oh my God, I'm I'm changing my whole life and world. I've seen it happen so many times where someone who was staunch against 
having cannabis in their life and then has a, a medical emergency in their family and then, oh, I'm changing my whole mind. Unfortunately, we're just going to have to take the time to change one mind at a, at a time. But and do you not believe you say take the time to change one mind at a time? I'm so sorry, but here I go. And this is not an aspersion at you. This is an aspersion at our industry. We know and we have known for at least five years that the most important thing right now, the idea of B2B meetings is really ridiculous. It's really stupid. Industry conventions to pat ourselves on the back should have been outdated five years ago, but we continue to have them. Pat yourself on the back because you sold more weed than us person. Stop with the stupid. When are we going to start holding the true conventions so that the patient, the consumer, can come and digest information that would then eventually drive them right back into your store? But we don't do enough of that. There's not enough education being done across America when it comes to education on cannabinoids, the minor cannabinoids. I mean, you talk about CBD, but we know now, you know, the new one is going to probably hit, hit not new one, the one that's been around for thousands of years that only is about mm, sometimes no greater than 3% in the plant at full birth is CBC. And we're now knowing that CBC has as much medicinal medicinal value as CBD. We know that. We know that it's probably going to be one of the primary, you know, uh, uh, treatment protocols and uh, for depression coming down. You don't have to. You can do psilocybin, but you could literally CBC has components in it that are now being validated that are saying that it really, really don't doesn't necessarily antagonize or agonize the CB1 and CB2 connectors receptors. It has a whole different channel by which it actually goes and it affects us. And it reaches the endocannabinoid system in a different way. And it's so amazing. And all of the cannabinoids are so imperative in the, you know, the future of our health. But I'm very, um, I, I'm watching closely because the next farm bill that comes out could actually kibosh all of these other cannabinoids that people were just discovering and, and, and compliance the shit out of them. And that's just what it is, you know, but I don't know. If what, you- what it is is big pharma does not want competition. Are you kidding me? They're making trillions of dollars off of all these bullshit antidepressants that don't work. And now you have something like a plant-based natural product. That's an herb that does work. And people are freaking out. Cause I know across the country right now, we have a lot of growers that are trying to, See if they can increase the amount of CBC that's in a plant, just the way we did five years ago, trying to increase the amount of CBG. The same way we, you know, most people don't know in America that we were responsible for growing the CBD out of the plant during the 60s and the early 70s, as ignorant as we were back then, thinking that only THC was the, the, the thing that was worthy of the plant. So, I mean, now we're starting to see some crossbreeding. Um, I know that if you go up online, you can find some CBC products right this minute. Uh, but they are far and few between, and they're a little bit more expensive than they should be, only because we have such a limited amount of people growing it right now. But just like you said, I mean, I think what's going on is, and, and contrary to whatever legislators think they can do, the people are going to demand we stop this bullshit. And it's it's already, you see it. That's why another five states have it on their ballot initiative, as a ballot initiative of some sort. I think the thing that we can really do is on a cultural level that is where people will find the most change 
in New York, we're, you know, there are so many amazing platforms in New York and um, that we're really using our, our locality to integrate cannabis education, not just to consumers, but potential consumers. Um, and, you know, I've worked really long and, and a lot on the home grow legislation, which we got passed. Um, and now we're, you know, hitting up community gardens and trying to entertain the opportunity to integrate cannabis into community gardens because of the amount of people that are in apartment buildings and subsidized living in New York. So in New York, I really see major changes on a local level with the people. You know, there's, we have, you know, the happy monkey, we have on the revel, we have, um, you know, a presence of women grow. So we have a lot of amazing platforms here that are really using and integrating. In fact, at Etain a couple of weeks ago, I saw the first real integration of legacy to legal by them holding a panel within the dispensary that had legacy operators speaking on what they needed to enter the legal market. And so I know that other states are different, but in New York, if you get into the community, you'll see that we are not just trying to change the politicians' minds, but we're going to the potential consumers, the people that don't consume, but should or want to or are interested. And we're starting there. And I'm seeing some change. It's not maybe as significant as I'd like it to be, Montel, but I'm seeing change and I'm feeling change. And you know what? We've got to start somewhere. Absolutely. Now, you know, you got involved in an organization called CWCBE. Well, explain what that is. So the CWCBE is a cannabis expo. Um, your favorite, Montel, but mm -hmm. I can tell you what's different about this is that Christine, who um, you know runs the conference, is from right here on Staten Island. That's where I live, so she's my neighbor, and she really offers um, a community access by giving away anyone who needs a ticket access to the conference, as well as this last year, allowing uh, Women Grow to have a pavilion for women entrepreneurs that are entering or want to enter into the space and gave them a whole space and a whole floor and, and, and a voice in, in the community. And it was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. So. Great. That goes, is that held once a year? Yeah, held once a year, so we'll see that. Um, I think it's May 31st, June 1st, and 2nd. I could be a little off with those dates, but um, very close to that next year. You do and have it on the website or where they were? Yeah, it's um, the cwcbe.com. And that conference is so wonderful because we get a plethora of different speakers and politicians and um, everyone is invited, including our legacy community who, you know, is very near and dear to my heart. And so we get a great turnout of people and a meeting of minds. And, you know, this is the conference last year where Eric Adams, our, our mayor, was like, New York, light up, we're ready for it. So um, it's a great hub to get yourself started and and learn more about the plant as well as meet people you know from you know different celebrities that uh, local celebrities such as myself um you know and 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 really you know take the time to look at what's happening in New York on a cultural level gotcha gotcha guys so now 
you know, you're now a pretty much a cannabis influencer, are you not? That's what they call me. All I say is that I am here to be in service. I want to help as many people as I can through cannabis and psilocybin as possible, whether it's educating or access or just words of encouragement. There are so many people that have been harmed by the war on drugs. And I, you know, I'm, I'm so deep in the community and I see these people that have had to have their whole lives ripped apart because of this plant being in jail, family members in jail, children that have never met their father because he is still in jail for bullshit charges. So, you know, I, I it's rather than being an influencer, I want to be a volunteer. I want to be a volunteer to help anybody who I possibly can, who, who has questions or needs about cannabis. Absolutely. Excellent. And you know, now where, where can, first off, tell me a little bit more about tribe Tokes. and does it have a website? Yeah. yeah. So, um, tribe Tokes is the brand that I co-founded with my business partner, Deja. Um, she had an idea for a vaping, a clean vaping line. And I had an idea for a CBD infused beauty line. We immediately joined forces in 2017 after meeting at Women Grow. And we've been rocking and rolling ever since. And we are launching, you know, we bootstrapped to $2 million a year online at tribetokes.com. And now we've decided that we want to take it one step further. And we are going, we are applying for an adult use processing license here in my home state of New York so that we can crank out some of the most quality products that um, New York needs to have and deserves. And so we're, we're very excited. We're, you know, fundraising for that. And it's called the Conscious Cannabis Project because we very much believe in the conscious consumption of the plant. Yeah, um, now, New York is on a, you know, collision court with the course with the courts for the next two to three years. But at the same time that that's happening, are you just moving forward as if, you got to get what you want. Montel, I usually get what I want. Um, and I don't know why. Maybe it's because I really put it out in the world. But um, we are launching tribe tokes on the adult use market in Massachusetts, New York, New Jersey, and a bunch of other states. So while we wait for the adult use processing license in New York to drop, we're keeping ourselves busy with tribetokes.com by serial launching, you know, products and things that are, you know, helpful to our community, as well as bringing our brand to other adult use states. And we're having a grand old time doing it. And we're, you know, specifically working with women for me, it is very important for women to have a huge voice and a huge platform. And so I advocate for women as much as I humanly can and do as much business with women as I can. And and really excited to give so many women in my community the opportunity to be part of the industry by um, launching women legacy brands once I have my adult use processing license, as well as hiring women within Tribe Tokes to help us expand our adult use um, brand into you know every single state that it makes sense. Well, let's tell me a little bit about your the different types of products that Tribe Tokes has. You went through it really quick. Slow down a little bit and go ahead. 
Give me, tell me what you, what you, what you have. What, you, what are you going to launch in in Massachusetts first? I happen to be have a product line in Massachusetts right now. Oh, I know. I'm very well versed with that. So, um, which is so <laughs> exciting, and um, congratulations on that. Uh, uh, we love vapes for so many reasons: um, effectiveness, efficiency, and discreet. You know, so we're launching uh, three vape strains in Massachusetts. And then on the um, in the hopper, we'll be launching our pain cream. So we love our pain cream. We have it in CBD and Delta Eight, and it works really, really well. And so many people get relief from it. So we're excited to add a little bit of Delta Nine up in there and um, shake things up in the topical way. Uh, and then, of course, you know, I feel like our gummies with no artificial colors, flavors or preservatives, I don't put any bullshit in any of our products because uh, we wouldn't we don't sell anything that we wouldn't give our own moms or sisters. Uh, so we'll, you know, you know, be spreading the love and getting the gummies out to the world as well. Excellent. And you're going to go you got you're going mass next and where mass then where? New Did York. You? So we'll launch early here in New York. We're, uh, we're You're already in New York, though. Yes, but we'll be launching in the adult use market. So right. um, that is a whole nother uh, bag on the side. So uh, we're working with some of the um, farmers to get our biomass, as well as someone who has been given a uh, conditional uh, processing license to start getting our brand out there while we wait for adult use processing to drop in New York probably next year and then we'll make our own products. Hopefully next year, but it just sounds to me like this state that state is in the same quagmire that Maryland was in and Maryland is still seven years later and they're still trying to figure this out. Yeah, but somebody's gotta be the fucking test dummy. So I'm raising my hands there and you. here we go. You know there you go. <laughs> So you'll get you'll, you 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 want to focus in on New York first, then go to Mass, or you're going to do both simultaneously. So we're launching in Massachusetts immediately. We're just waiting for our production schedule. Everything is set up. Um, it will probably launch in New York when the uh, card you know dispensaries start to open because we could launch now, but we have no place to sell it. You know, uh, mm -hmm. like you said, the quagmire um, keeps rearing its ugly head. So, um, but I can tell you the reason why I'm very excited to be one of the first people in is I advocate for myself and others, and I'm not afraid to use my voice and my platform to point out every little thing that doesn't serve our community. And so while it may be serve a challenge to me and my team, we're doing this for the greater good of, you know, what New York needs and deserves. Um, so I, I wouldn't say that I'm a, I'm going to have a lot of fun going through all of the legal jargon, but I can tell you that I'm here to push the movement. Well, you know, it's really, really I, I get excited sometimes. That's why I said at the very top of the show that I was very excited about getting a chance to talk to you. I heard about who you are. I've heard of you. And um, I'm excited because of your passion and, and your willingness to step out there and do what's right. Um, we don't have a lot of people in this industry that have that same passion. They, they try to act like they do, but you can get under the surface of that very, very quickly. Um, it seems to me like some of the, the, the forerunners in this industry right now are women like yourself. But how easy is it? I mean, I, I don't think women represent more than 9% of this entire industry right now. You know that, right? 
It feels like we don't even represent 9% of the world sometimes, sir. But um, I think that the women that are here are here and they're going strong. And, you know, the woman dispensary sold here in New York, Etain, which is amazing. And, you know, there's like Jamie from Bang Edibles who was acquired. There are women out there really making a name for um, themselves and for others. And, you know, as we have to compete for fair wages in all industries. I think we're we're coming in on the ground floor as everybody is and really, you know, taking our stand. So regardless of, you know, how much percent women make up, the percentage that we do make up, we are here and we are are pushing and we are making ourselves known and we are not just sitting in the corner and listening to, you know, the white men in suits. We're here raising our hand and pushing people off stage and saying, you're wrong. This, that is not right. That is not okay. That is not the truth. And I'm really proud of the women that I uh, get to work alongside and ones that I don't. I'm really proud of women in cannabis. And even though we have a long road in front of us, I'm ready to join arms and take the girl gang and just, you know, push through. And, and as we have to advocate for medicine, for cannabis adult use in general, we also have to advocate for women and fair wages and being, being treated right. I've been sexually harassed and sexually assaulted at cannabis events. And I am embarrassed for the men that do well because of these types of incidents. But I can tell you that the support that the women give is so amazing and i it's an honor to to do this alongside of them excellent do you think there are opportunities still opportunities available for women in this industry i i absolutely do and um i am like very much engaged with so many people that support women and my whole ecosystem of tribe tropes and the conscious cannabis project really is very woman centric. The thing is, is that it's the ignorance Montel, just like the, you know, Republicans that, you know, talk shit about our plant all the time. This is the same ignorance that we're dealing with in cannabis with women is, you know, men like to, you know, have power and talk shit all the time. And so we're, there's a good group of women out there that are stepping up, pushing the men aside and saying, you know what, guys, we're not going to let you treat us like this. And we're going to fight for all the other women that are, are, that are ready to come on board too. Wow. And what do you, what do you see the industry going in the next two, three, four? No, let's go two, three, five years. Where do you see it going? Well, two years is, you know, I'm, we're going to see a lot more states, you know, adult use, they're going to, you know, put it on the ballots and they're going to pass it. And we're going to see a lot more of that. We're going to see a lot more medical programs uh, coming out. We're going to see the same thing with psilocybin. We're going to start to see more states and cities opening up treatment centers. And in three years, um, you know, I think we'll be very, very close to, you know, having uh, interstate commerce. You know, that's a three to five year thing that I think will have some interstate commerce. We can get some interstate banking. Let's start there. 
yeah, well, I, I, I hope within two years, you know, we'll be able to, you know, see things like decriminalization on a federal level. Maybe that's a five-year goal. I'll tell you what, I'm getting some infused popcorn and I'm sitting back with my blunt and I am going to watch closely because anything can happen. And here's what I can tell you. The more that we use our voice, Montel, you and I, you know, people that have, you know, a platform to speak on and the more that we advocate and, and give others, our future leaders of cannabis, our younger generation, give them the platform to push the movement. I think we'll see some really good stuff happen. And of course, it's going to be a shit show. Of course, our government is going to fail us just like they failed politics and healthcare and education. But that doesn't mean that we don't have healthcare. That doesn't mean that we don't have education. We just have to keep going. Gotcha. Gotcha. Anything else you want to have there? I, I, I just want to tell the whole world that if we can just be kind, be kind to yourself and, and, and to others, the plant doesn't mean anything. It's really about our human nature. So I just, I want to push the kindness out there. And if you find it very hard to be kind, I suggest cannabis. And I think this whole nation would change if we all just stop for a second and convince those who are so reticent that maybe this might, might take that edge of you off. Thank you so much, Kimberly, for being a part of the show today. I can't tell you enough. Guys, if you watch this, Kim, Kim B. Burns. I say Kimberly, but Kim B. Burns. And, you know, make sure you tune in to all of our Let's Be Bloods, but make sure you tell your friends about this conversation that we've had today. Thank you so much for being a part of the show today, Kimberly. Thank you so much, Montel. Absolutely. You stay well. Take care, okay? Thank you. And you tune in to the next Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Thanks for joining me on Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Please make sure you're subscribed and hit the bell to be notified when new episodes post each week. We'd love to hear your feedback also, so please send us your comments. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Larry Mishkin. And I'd like to invite you to join Rob Hunt and me on our weekly podcast, The Deadhead Cannabis Show. Each week, we explore the latest cannabis and jam band news and reminisce with other deadheads and jam band lovers about the great musical acts that we've seen and heard. Check out a new episode every Monday.